healthcare issues on today's Fednababble. This is Fednababble, where Kevin and Cassie make federal retirement benefits understandable for humans like you. These two don't hold back as they answer questions from the FedPilot workshops and webinars or from questions submitted by you at fednababble.com. All right. Hi, Cassie. Hey, guys. All right. So today we're going to talk about healthcare issues um, in the questions that Kevin has gotten from his FedPilot workshops. Of course, you, as you know, we answer those questions and um, he's gotten some really interesting ones. Mm-hmm. First one is, is kind of easy. Does FEHB allow you to continue health benefits for a spouse after retirement? That's pretty easy. Well, what's what say you, Cassie? It is and it isn't because first the employee has to qualify for the health insurance, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And you know this and you conduct these workshops. They've got to have five years in the FEHB program to qualify to continue FEHB in retirement. <clears throat> the employee does, not the spouse. Right. right. So really... As long as the employee is eligible to keep it in retirement, which part of that is the five, a big part of that is the five year rule. If the employee can keep it, the spouse can not only keep it, but if the spouse wasn't on in the first place, they can be added on later on in retirement as well. Yes and no. So what do you mean? Um, the, they can keep it for their spouse for one, if they include a survivor benefit um option for them so for furs you have but that's to only for death them. huh that's only for death yes i understand but if they want their spouse to continue the fehb program they have to also have a survivor benefit um, awarded to them to qualify for this benefit so i know that's People don't understand the correlation between the survivor benefit and the FEHB program. Right. But they have to qualify or have some sort of survivor benefit coming to them as a spouse in order to qualify to keep the FEHB in retirement. So let's so, let, let's do a couple scenarios here. Sure. I'm a federal employee, um, and I have my wife on FEHB. I've I, I have the five years before I retire. I've been on FEHB five years before I retire, and now I retire. Can I keep my wife on? Yes, you can keep your okay. wife on. And as long as you elect a 25% benefit, if you're a FERS employee, then she'll be able to continue FEHB even after you pass. Okay, so that I guess that's the next question. So my wife and I are on, and I die, can she have it? And then your answer is yes, if you have the survivor benefit, at least 25% for FEHB, uh, or sorry, for, for, for FERS. FERS. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. CSRS, okay. all they have to be entitled to is $1 a month. $1, yes, $1, $1. You can elect the smallest benefit and keep 55% of $24, that gives your your survivor $1 a month for a CSRS employee, and then your spouse can continue the FEHB or in the FEHB program. Now here's the kicker though. If your spouse is not listed on your FEHB enrollment 
and they're not covered under your insurance and you retire and then pass away, your spouse does not then get to enroll in the FHB program and, and continue it. Even if there is a survivor benefit awarded to them, they have to be on the program at the time that you pass. So I guess the kicker is you have to know when you're going to pass away to make sure that your spouse can be on your FHB that would make, program. That would make this whole thing. On. That would make this whole thing so much easier. If we knew that when we, you know, when we can pass or when we are going to pass, or maybe our spouses know when we're going to pass already. Maybe they have a date for us set out. You're going to pass <laughs> on this day. Maybe they know and we don't. But you're right. If we knew when we were going to pass away, then that would make this whole thing so much easier. Because really, with a survivor benefit, I could pay and pay and pay into this program. But if my wife dies first, well, then... I've, j- I- I've thrown all that money away. It- it's all yeah. gone. And so really it's a 50-50 crapshoot of who's going to die first? I don't know. So we're going to pay for this just in case. And that becomes an issue. Yeah. I, yeah. To get your money's worth out of the survivor benefit, you know, you've you got to make sure that um, <laughs> your spouse doesn't pass away first, huh? Right, right. No, let me do it first. No, let me. No, let me. It's a Romeo and Juliet thing. No, I'm going to. No, (laughs) I don't know. Okay, so there's that question. Here's the next question. Uh, Thinking about retiring in two to three years, my kids are 23 and 19. How will that impact their, I'm reading this backwards, health insurance there. (laughs) Yeah. How that how is that going to help their uh, impact their health and their kids' health insurance? Well, the FAHB rule states that kids or dependents who are unmarried can be on your program until the age of twenty six. Right. If they are, unless of course they are incapable of self support, and that's when you would need to go through the the process to either get your agency or your healthcare provider to um, get the the letter needed to ensure that your health benefits are going to be able to continue for your children after the age of 26. If you guys have questions about that, please reach out to us and um, we'll get you hooked up with that process and what what you'll need to do to make that happen. So here's a kicker. I've been asked this question very few times, but I know it's happened more than um, than some people would like to think. So let's say my wife and I got started late with kids. I retire. I'm 60. Let's say I retire my MRA, let's say 57 years old. And like this, I have uh, two kids that are 23 and 19. And then I decide not to do survivor benefits. And then I die at 60. So one of my kids is not on our insurance anymore. The 23 year old became 26, but the 19 year old would still be on my health insurance. Let's say if they're not married, but I die and I don't do survivor benefits. Then what happens? So I know my wife is kicked off of health insurance. Is my child as well? Yeah. 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 I hear this actually a lot with law enforcement uh, who are retiring at 52 years old and they have young kids 
and they want to keep them on the health insurance just in case for those, you know, for what, 10 years or more. And wait, are you telling me that if I die, my kids will be kicked off as well, along with my my spouse? Yep, they're going to be kicked off as well. It's a whole, it's a family package there. That's right, because you can't have a self plus one or self plus family option without the self qualifying, (laughs) right? And so the self is either you, the employee or your spouse, right? And then the family and the plus one or whoever is, is the child or children that you need to have covered. So you can't, you can't elect a family only option that's not really <laughs> right. Family minus option. me option. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it, that, that doesn't really work out. And so you've got to have a primary yeah. enrollee in order for the dependents to be covered under the health insurance program. So you can't just leave your your you know your kids aren't going to be covered unless your spouse or you are covered as well. So right. So really, you have to, you have to unfortunately leave some sort of survivor benefit. Um, to your spouse in order for them to be able to continue in FEHB and of course have them enrolled in the program. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they can continue that if you pass away early. So really what this, what this is, is I, in answering this question, just straight, plain vanilla, nothing extra special. You know, how does this affect my kids if I were to retire with health insurance? As long as they're on your health insurance, they can continue to have it until they're 26 or unmarried, right? So it's really easy that way. But as, as you pointed out and as I have pointed out, it's really easy to answer these if all things are equal, if nothing ever changes. And how many times in life does that, ne- I mean, things always change. There are always exceptions. There are always, oh, well, you know what? This happened now and uh, what happens? Well, that completely changes everything. You just can't go off the same rule because it doesn't hold fast and true to every single situation. So, you know, and with the government, they're always coming out with different rules and, and new things because there's so many different bills on the House floor on changes that are being yeah. made to the benefits yeah, and everything else. Point. It's just a matter of when do they get passed and then what does that look like once they're passed, right? So, yep. um, so there's a plug for that's watching. The rule for now. What was that? I said that's the rule for now. Yeah. So there's a plug for watching what Congress does because they change things every now and then, and that isn't often disseminated, and the rule changes. I had someone recently catch this, Cassie, this week in one of my workshops ask. I heard that you take your however old you are plus your years, and if it equals 80, you're eligible to retire. Interesting. I have heard I that. I have never heard that rule. Seriously, I have heard that over <laughs> and over and over again. And, and not that it's not that it's frequent, but through the years, I've heard this a number of times. I'm like, mm, yeah, no, no, that might be an old rule or something, but that's not. That's not anything no, close to what it is now. I've never heard of that rule. Um, it, that's very interesting. I do know some state and local um, mm. governments can have some, <sighs> you know, funky kind of rules where 
maybe they're misunderstanding yeah. that and blending it with right. the federal system because they've heard it similar. Hmm. Now, isn't that isn't that interesting that you could you could confuse if your spouse works for the state. Now you're starting to confuse different programs and their rules. And (laughs) you think about it. What if somebody came from a state or local position before their federal employment and they just might be confused on something? Right. You know, that might be a, a situation, too. And so um that's definitely not what happens with federal government. <laughs> you have to have a certain age and certain numbers of years within the federal government in order to qualify for a pension from them. Um, I've recently been getting people who are, who are older um, coming through and, and, and getting an analysis done. And the, the thing to look for then, because a lot of them have also had like military service and things like that, we have to make sure that they actually get the five years vested in the first program or CSRS program. So just know that whatever federal government retirement system you're under, whether it's CSRS or FERS, you have to have five years vested in order to qualify for a pension. And I actually had a situation um, uh, that I was helping a, a employee with. We were going through their retirement application and her husband um, actually had federal service time, but he did a deferred retirement, which means he left before he was the age eligible part, right? And, and went right. private sector. And so now um, we were doing her retirement application, but then we also did his as well because he qualified for his pension um, because he had five years vested in the system. Of course, he doesn't have HR or anything else. So we were, you know, just did the, um, document online and, and sent it directly to OPM. But, you know, so anybody who's had five years in the system will qualify for a pension at age 62 unreduced. Mm-hmm. I know that we got kind of off on the. <laughs> no, that's okay. Just extra nuggets, though. That's, that's yeah. really good. Actually, you started making me think of another episode we need to do. And maybe we'll do that next, but I'll tell you about that later. Okay, last question here about health benefits, and I got to bring this down. I heard that using sick time or FMLA will or can count against me. What if I work 20 years and I've used one year of sick time? Can I only claim 19 years? Is that true? Hmm. So I guess the first question is eligibility or calculation. Mm What are you talking there? Let's talk FMLA real quick. That's Family Medical Leave Act. Um, So if you're a federal employee, you have this available to you and you can essentially, it allows you to use that time for medical purposes, um, those sick leave and and, and annual leave, um, you know, accumulation that you've, that you've got in your, your bank there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that time, it's all paid for. That's right. time that you've accumulated, accumulated. That is time that you've worked for. Um, so if you use your FMLA, it's going to count as regular service time. Yeah. Number one. Let's just talk about, you know, what what does that time count for? So the next thing is you said eligibility, right? Right. Does it still count? So, so for example, 
if I'm going to be six, I, if I can retire fully at 60 with 20 years, but I take a, a year off, does that bump me down to, oh, you only have 19 years of working because I didn't work that that last year, right? Yeah. It was a full year of sick leave. Does that still count? It still counts. Yeah. That's the thing is, you know, the only time that's not going to count in the computation for your service for retirement purposes is, you know, if you weren't working on, in a full-time position, then you're not going to have that full-time computation, right? If you, it's non-deduction service or if they're not taking um, contributions from your paycheck, then, you know, you're not going to have that time credited um, right. to your service or... Uh, if you're in a non-pay status, more than six months. There, yeah, that's that's what I was gonna go to next, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, explain that. And so if somebody takes leave without pay or they're furloughed or something like that for longer than six months in a calendar year, then the time from after the six months, say I took eight months off in 2022, right? I don't get paid, I'm in a non-pay status for eight months that I only get those two months don't count. The other six months still count because they're within the same calendar year. Now, if I took eight months, but my eight months started October of 2021, and then I start going back to work in May of 2022, all that time counts for retirement right. purposes. Even though I wasn't getting paid, deductions weren't happening because it was shorter than a six month time period in the calendar year, then I still get that time counted. As far as sick leave, you're still getting paid. You're still making contributions. All of that time will count. Um, my husband had to take off three months of sick leave um, because he had a motorcycle accident and was bedridden for breaking his back. You bet that time counts in his computation date. They did not adjust anything right. to remove that from his retirement service, even though he was on FMLA um, using his sick leave. So again, you've accumulated, accumulated that leave, even if, you know, maybe you didn't accumulate all of that leave and they, you got it transferred to you, um, from somebody else and it's, you know, given to you or, or whatever, you can still use that leave and, <clears throat> and get for retirement purposes. Um, right. Even if you don't have leave and you still take the time off in a non-paid status, you'll still get credit as long as it's less than six months in a calendar year. So here's a little tip for everyone. If you think you're going to have to take off leave of absence for more than six months, if that's anticipated because of whatever life situation throws at you, if you can time it, do it in the later half and the last in the second half of the year, start it in the second half of the year. That way, you know, you'll have six months or less in that first year, and then you can have up to six months in the second year, and none of it will be counted against you. It's one of those little tips and tricks that that most almost no one knows about that you can take advantage of that, you know, if you did it wrong, that's a whole year that you get off of your date. But if you do it right, it won't count against you. So, you know, let's figure out how to do it right again. Those little, those little, uh, those little rules can make all the difference in the world if you play it right. But people who are trying to figure out retirement a couple years before they retire, 
they're going to miss out on all of those types of rules because typically those are rules that you could have used over the last 30 years of, of, of working. You can use those anytime during that time and it's not going to hurt you. But now you go, oh, yeah, I wish I had known that. I could have retired a year earlier. Yeah, yeah, you could have, but. Or, hey, I could have timed that surgery yeah. differently to where now I didn't lose six months or yes. more because I would have, you know, picked a date different or something like that. And so, um, you know, that's definitely something to take a look at. And again, if you have something where, okay, it's, it's um, I can use FMLA and, and get credit for my leave and use my leave for that medical time and then go into a non-pay status towards the end of the year and then right. have the yes. ability to, to go into the next year. And as long as it doesn't go past, you know, June into that next year or, you know, obviously the end of June, then you'll, um, as long as it doesn't go past that, then you'll still get credit for all of that time. So, you know, if you have something going on where you have to have a medical thing and you're going to have to use FMLA, um, make sure that you're coordinating that right. If you don't know um, what that looks like and you've got questions about a financial position that you're going to be in and what to plan for, of course, our financial uh, advisors or, or trusted um, uh, in our trusted network can definitely help you answer that question. So feel free to reach out to us. Um, you know, like, subscribe, comment, whatever. Uh, shoot us an email. Um, go to yes. fitnabattle.com, check us out, and we'll be able to to try and get you that information. Or I'm sorry, we will be able to get you that information. <laughs> we'll um, just try. <laughs> <laughs> no, we will. And that's that's the great thing when someone comes to us with a question like that. It's like and and we've never heard of that because honestly, there are situations that still come up. Where we're like, wow. That's a combination I've never quite heard before. Let's make sure of this and we'll go and we'll find it. Now, those are rare because we've been doing this for so long and we've looked at thousands and thousands and thousands of federal employees and their situations and their their um, you know, their applications for retirement or whatever it may be. It's rare, but we'll figure it out. And and so if you have a question, don't think that you can't get an answer cuz you can. Just Give us a you know, contact us and and we'll make sure you get that answered for you. All right. That's right. Thanks, everyone. Until next time. Take care. Well, to get Cassie's comprehensive report on your federal retirement benefits at no cost, no obligation and no sales pitch, go to fednababble.com. While you're there, submit a question for them to answer on the show.